Good evening. If you are watching this after the fact, again, we ask that you just be patient or fast forward about five minutes and then uh, class will begin. Thank you. Hi, Linda. Good to see you. Hi, Melissa. Good to see you, too. Uh, my display looks different here than normal. Um, but it looks like we have everything going. Okay. Hi, Joel. I was just saying my display looks differently than it usually does. Um, is it coming through any differently for you guys? As always here, we'll give it our usual four or five minutes while we wait for people to join us. Glenn and Jane and Jean are here. Good evening, guys. Uh, glad you're with us tonight and thank you. I'm uh, trying to get rid of the, sh the shine right here, but I, I, it doesn't matter where I go, the, the lights seem to find me. Hi, Pam, how are you doing? Good evening. Um, for whatever reason, I'm not seeing the count here as far as how many people are logged on. So um, I usually try to gauge that as far as when to start. But we'll give it another three, four minutes here, and then we'll we'll get going. Joel, were you able to stop in and sign that document today, or should I just go ahead and and send? Melissa says 11. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I don't for every reason my display is is different tonight so as long as it records and as long as you guys can see it we're good to go so we are going to be in proverbs we'll start in chapter 11 um so we're going to give it a couple minutes for everybody um everybody to find us and then we'll get going <laughs> thanks jane and marge good evening good evening glad you're with us joe and marlene are here good glad everybody is online and everything seems good. So in a couple minutes, we'll start. We're going to be looking at Proverbs 11 through 15. Again, five chapters, but um, we have see, seem to have been doing okay there. While we wait another minute or two... Um, Hi, Phil. Good evening. Uh, I know three years is near. I guess I, I didn't remember the date. Um, I knew it was August, but uh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, it's ex I mean, that, that time has gone quick. A lot's happened in three years, but at the same time, that has just, uh, that has just flown by. Took you that long to notice, Linda? I have not exactly been hiding it very well. And Marlene, I try. Um, the desk isn't quite as neat, though, but you can't see that right now. Um, it's easier to find stuff when, when it's where I, I want it to be. Um, yeah, Melissa, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine um, <clears throat> the way things have gone. It's, it's been good, but but there's been some some challenges in there too. Thanks for the uh, heads up there, Melissa. I think we're probably going to be able to start here, I guess, but maybe another one more minute. Uh, hi, Joanne. Good evening. Um, 825. Three years. Alex, <clears throat> glad you're enjoying it and welcome. Hope you, uh, hope you enjoy the Bible study tonight. 
Um, all right, so we're going to be in Proverbs 11 through 15. Uh, so get your Bibles ready, and then we will uh, we'll get going. All right, let's uh, let's open with prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, as always, we ask for your blessing on our study here tonight. Um, be with us, be present, help us to grow in our faith, and, and help us to encourage each other uh, with the word tonight. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've been going through Proverbs, and Solomon has been teaching us about wisdom. He's been teaching us um, true wisdom as opposed to the, the foolishness of this world. And we're in a section here where he's he's bouncing around a little bit. Um, and so as you look at the worksheet, uh, question one says, how could pride lead to disgrace? If we're, if you look at verse 2, chapter 11, verse 2, um, and Phil's got it posted there. Thanks, Phil. Uh, how could pride lead to disgrace? Proverbs 11, 2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. Anybody have a thought there? Um, this coming Sunday, uh, we're going to hear about humility and, and pride, something we all wrestle with uh, day in and day out. How can pride bring disgrace, or how does it lead to disgrace? Anybody have an example to share or a comment on that? And then, of course, he has the, the opposite of that in the second half of the verse. He says, but with humility comes wisdom. Uh, Proverbs has a neat way of balancing the, the two sides of the coin and the, the, the curse and the blessing in a sense. Jane says, your pride doesn't allow you to accept another opinion and yours ends up being wrong. Yeah, in your pride, perhaps you think you know better than the other guy. You think that you're... Um, smarter and you've got it all figured out. And of course, when you end up being wrong, that can be can be hard to swallow. That can be disgraceful. Um, can make you look pretty foolish too. Um, yeah, Judy, somebody absolutely could uh, put us in our place. <laughs> Joanne says, pride is why selfies exist. Um, that's interesting too. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but when, on our recent tour, um, I, I saw all kinds of people all over the place. Instead of taking pictures of these ancient uh, monuments and sites, they were taking pictures of themselves. Um, it just was an interesting thing. Um, definitely a, a self-focus comes along with that. Pam, that's a good observation too there. Pride may make you forget your total dependence on God. Um, yeah, pride focuses, and I think that's what Joanne is trying to say too. It pride focuses us here, and we forget uh, that God is out there, and that we ought to be depending on Him. And Phil says it's really not about us. Um, nothing we do is glorious. Um, finally, too, you know, if we're puffed up with how important we are, and we're convinced that our way is the right way. Um, that, that can cause us to lose friends and relationships and burn bridges and all those kinds of things. So I, I know you've all seen verse 2 play out in, in the lives of people around you. Maybe maybe we've all experienced that in ways too. All right, if we continue down here, the, the chapter a little bit, um, make some good points about righteousness. Then we get to verse 10. Um, he gets to verse 10 and he says, When the righteous prosper, um, who benefits? Who benefits? from righteous righteousness in verse 10. Uh, Joanne says she thinks that pride overtakes our concern for others. Yeah, I would agree with that. The more, again, because pride has us so focused on ourselves and who we are, um, it's hard to really be concerned or, or to care about anybody else when we're so focused on who we are and what we've got doing going on. All right, so Jane says everyone benefits from righteousness. True enough, um, he says it here, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Uh, so society around us, uh, as Jane says, everyone in general benefits from righteousness. Um, 
Judy says the whole the whole city benefits when good people are in power. Um, so when you think about society in general, how is the world around you blessed, around us blessed, as we live out our lives of faith, as we try to practice righteousness in our daily lives? How is society blessed? How does the city rejoice when the righteous do well? I'd agree with that, Linda. That's that's very true for sure. We've got some good singers. Any any further thoughts or examples on verse ten? Uh, when the righteous prosper, how how does everybody benefit? Um, any examples of how that takes place? Um, certainly, Judy says there. When we have godly leaders, people benefit from that. Um, any other any other thoughts or ways that? The city rejoices when the righteous prosper. So when, when God's people are doing well and when they are able to live out their faith and in peace and quietness, how does the city rejoice? Jane says they will share. Yeah, they're going to be more generous with their neighbors probably than, than the unrighteous. Uh, Melissa says when we love our neighbors, the community benefits. Yeah, when we're when we're doing things out of love for Jesus for them, um, that is sure going to benefit other people. Um, Judy says the law abiding people bring peace too. Yeah. When we are um, behaving, uh, the rest of society benefits, right? We're not in any way hurting or harming other people. So yeah, a lot of good things happen when God's people are, are doing their thing. That's an encouragement for us too, by the way. You know, I think we so easily gripe and complain when we see things in society uh, crumbling or not not going the way we want them to. But understand, it can go the opposite way, right? If we're going to live our faith as the righteous people God has called us to be, that can have a, an opposing effect to some of what we see around us. All right, uh, a couple more thoughts there on neighbors and the nation. If you look at verse 12, verse 14, um, and then if you just scroll down a little bit, verse 22, and again, so much in these chapters, not going to hit everything tonight. So if you have other thoughts, please, please speak up or, or let us know. Um, so verse 22, kind of an interesting picture here. Solomon writes about the, the gold ring and a pig's snout. Uh, what is his, question three, what's the point of comparison here between the gold ring and the pig's snout and the beautiful woman who shows poor judgment? Uh, what's what's his point of comparison? What's the purpose of that that image there? I was at the state fair. I didn't spend a lot of time in the animal, barn, animal barns, but I don't think I saw any gold rings in any pigs' snouts when I was there. Um, anybody have a thought? What's the what's the point of comparison here? Uh, I'll circle back to that in just a second. Okay, Marlene. Um, well, everybody's posting their answers here to, to the question from verse 22. I'll, I'll circle back. Um, so Jane here says the beauty is wasted. It's not beautiful anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. First of all, what a silly picture, right? Um, but his point is, yeah, the beauty is wasted in either case, right? The gold ring and the pig snout or the beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Uh, beauty is wasted in both cases. And I think, too, maybe a reminder for all of us, uh, let's not just look at the outside, right? And Solomon will make that point several more times here as we go through Proverbs. So we'll hit that a little bit harder um, a little bit later on. Uh, Judy says, beauty comes from within, not the outward adornment. Um, good. Yep. I, and a good reference there to the Old Testament. Uh, Melissa says, it's not something could, it's something that could be beautiful and valuable, but it's in place that just makes it seem foolish. Yeah. Um, and again, the striking picture here really drives that home too. That's a good thought too, Melissa uh, or, or Linda. God blesses everybody with, with certain talents, uh, whether they know it or not. 
Um, so Phil has another thought there too about the outward beauty. It certainly can be for show, but but God, and hopefully God's people, you and I are hopefully looking for that inward beauty as well. Um, not so caught up in the external or the outside. All right, so Marlene had asked the, and you're right, Joanne, uh, at least in the Old Testament times it was. Um, Marlene had asked a question about verse 15. Whoever puts up a security for stranger will surely suffer, but whoever refuses to shake hands in pledge is safe. Um, so putting up security might be, in our day and age, co-signing a loan, something like that. And Solomon's advice is... Um, just be careful there, you know, be careful what you commit to, be careful what um, you agree to, because once you do, um, you are you are stuck in a sense, right? So he's just saying, be wise, um, be careful in what kind of contracts you sign and what you agree to do for people, because once you commit, um, you're in there, you're stuck, right? So he's just saying, um, just just be wise about that and maybe avoid that when you can. All right, last question of the chapter. If you jump down to verses 24 through 26, uh, the verses here talk about generosity. And what observations does Solomon make about generosity? In general here, um, what is he instructing us to do? What general instruction is there for us in his words? So basically what I'm asking you there, if you look at verses 24 through 26, what does Solomon ask of us? What does he encourage us to do? Um, how does he how does he call on us to live our lives? So real simply, Joanne says, uh, to be generous, right? To be generous in our use of money and possessions, the things that God has given us. Um Jane says to, to be generous and share, not to hoard, right? Not to store up things for ourselves, as we heard in the gospel lesson a couple of weeks ago. Um, Judy says, be generous, especially to the needy. And then she has a, a quote there from 2 Corinthians, God loves a cheerful giver. So it's certainly about attitude and, and being willing to help out and to share with others. Um, and I think maybe in a general way here too, um, Right, Marge, isn't that kind of the point that those who are generous end up being blessed, perhaps even more so? Um, again, in a very general way, he's saying generous people are going to prosper and they themselves are going to be blessed. Um, and he's not promising specific blessings of one kind or another, but as the Betelovs say, we're blessed in so many ways. And I would say, Joanne, even in our day and age, it's tougher to be generous with time than money sometimes. Um, in fact, I think sometimes we are, are tempted to, to give the money rather than the time. And uh, God, of course, would ask for both from us. But um, yeah, being generous with time is, is part of this too. Melissa, yep. And I think First um, Timothy 6 uh, would have something to say there too about uh, not holding on too tightly to things. And so many verses in the Bible, by the way, talk about this. Um, so yeah, be generous, be kind, be willing to share. And, and those who give freely, Solomon is saying, they tend to find more in return, right? They tend to be blessed. Joel says, be generous. God will take care of the rest. Um, and yeah, the so in Matthew, he talks about your... And Proverbs, later on in Proverbs, he's actually going to talk about things that will overflow, right? Your your vats will overflow. Um, Matthew 6 talks about um, God taking care of the rest if we put him first. So good encouragement there. And, and scripture is full of encouragements to be generous with, with what we have. All right, that is chapter 11. Anybody else have a question there before we scoot ahead to chapter 12? Anybody else? We're on Proverbs, going to chapter 12. It certainly is, Phil. Um, that is definitely a biblical thought. Um, 
certainly we we there's a lot to it, right? But that is definitely a, a biblical thought. All right, let's take a look here. Proverbs chapter 12. Another contrast right away, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Whoever hates correction is stupid. Uh, not a word the Bible uses very often, so that ought to catch our attention then. So question one, why is a person who hates correction stupid? And Phil, thanks for posting the question. He's got the verse there as well. Um, worth every penny, Phil. Worth every penny. Um why is a person who hates correction stupid? Anybody have a thought there? Being corrected isn't easy, right? I think we did we talk last week or two weeks ago about the ability to receive constructive criticism and, and what a a blessing and a and a nice trait that that is, but it's a hard one to have. Um, why is it? Stupid to hate correction. We sure all are, Marlene. Um, in this case, especially though, why is that? Um, why is that an issue? Jane says that correction is done to benefit us and make us smarter. Um, yeah, if we're not going to accept correction, how can we learn? Right? How can we get better or improve on something? Judy says being corrected is necessary to grow in wisdom. A lot of times you think of, think of your schooling, right? You perhaps learned the most when you got stuff wrong at times and when the teacher showed you the correct way to go. Um, Marge says that person isn't going to learn, uh, but a wise man listens to advice. You get, everybody's here on the same thing, right? We aren't going to learn. And Linda says we aren't always right. That is so hard to admit, so hard for us to um to own up to, but it's an important quality to be able to, to say that about yourself. And I would say too, I don't know if you guys agree and feel the same way, but the more we learn about the Bible, the more we realize we don't know, right? The more we realize there's so much we don't know. Joel says we're often blind to our own faults. Um, we are. Um, and I was reminded of that you know, at, at the call meeting last night, it's just, uh, it, it it made me think about um, some of the, the gifts that God has given me and some that he hasn't given me. And um, we don't always recognize the things that we aren't good at, right? And often we need people uh, to point that out for us. Uh, yeah, and if we're going to shut that down, Joel, we're we, we aren't going to grow. Um, and Melissa says it can hurt our relationship with others too. Yeah, I mean, for 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 relationships to be healthy, uh, we need to be able to, to share some of this with each other, some corrections, some iron sharpens iron, right? We need to learn from each other. And if, if we, I don't feel I can learn from the other person, what that relationship, it, it really can't go anywhere. Um, good. So hopefully we're all, it sounds like we're all on the same page with that one and see the see the wisdom there. Um, so jump down to verse three, nobody can establish, no one can be established through wickedness, but the righteous cannot be uprooted. Um, why does Solomon say that? Um, why does he speak those words there in verse three? No one can be established through wickedness, but the righteous cannot be uprooted. So look at the words there. Or verbs established, uprooted. Wicked can't be established, so they can't find uh, stability. The righteous, on the other hand, can't be can't be pulled up. They can't be pulled free or uprooted. Strong contrast again. Why does Solomon say that? Give me the reasoning there behind what Solomon says. And as you're typing that out, for anybody who's watching this and participating in this but maybe isn't at Pilgrim or, or in the area, I'd just be curious to know where you're from. So if you don't mind posting that at some point or shooting an email to us just to let us know, um, just kind of curious how far the reach is going here. So if you're listening later on, um, just let us know where you're tuning in from. Linda says, wickedness is the devil's temptation. For sure. Um, 
he he wants all of us to go that way, right? To to as the Psalms say, to walk in the way of of wickedness. So Melissa says our foundation is solid. Yeah, Matthew seven, the parable of the man. I think it's Matthew seven. Um, the parable of the man who built his house upon the sand and the one who built it on the rock. Um, that's a really good cross-reference there, Melissa. Uh, that's a great observation. Um, Jane says God's our foundation for everything. So no matter what comes along, right, no matter what storm or trial or trouble comes into our lives, the righteous in Christ cannot be uprooted. We are we are locked in, right? We are stable. Um, we cannot be moved. Judy says, without God's blessings, you don't have that firm foundation. The roots of the righteous go deep into God's word. I like that picture uh, and can't be uprooted. Yeah, very well said there. In That calls to mind Psalm 1. Sometimes we don't see it, Linda says. Um, the wickedness, you mean, Linda? Yeah, the world has a way of presenting wicked things in ways that don't seem so bad. Um so we have for sure be careful and watch out for that. The devil knows how to package. You know, you talk about the pig there with the golden ring in his nose. Um, the devil can sure dress up things that are wicked and evil. All right. Uh, good thoughts there, everybody. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So I think um, what, what the Betelovs and Pam are both talking about here is when we live out our faith, the event, the effects of that can be pretty long lasting and God blesses it and it, and it stays and uh, produces fruit. All right, let's jump ahead here. A couple more verses. So he talks about uh, the wicked again for a couple more verses. Um, and then verse 11, what are examples of ways in which a person chases fantasies in an effort to strike it rich. That's a good hymn, Joanne. I like that one, isn't it? Uh, that's a good one. I'm not going to sing it uh, online right now, but it's a, that's a good hymn for sure. So verse 11 uh, just struck me. Um, those who work their land will have abundant food. Work hard, do your thing, you're going to be fine. But those who chase fantasies have no sense. Any thoughts here? What uh, what are chasing fantasies in an effort to strike it rich? So Marge talks about gambling and scheming. Yeah, I think, um, I, what do they say, the house wins 97% of the time, something like that. Gambling has been proven to be not a reliable way for the vast majority of people, right, to strike it rich. Gambling, lottery, scheming, she says, so maybe like uh, risky business adventures, um, believing a scam, right? There's so many scams out there um, and, and well-devised and put together that really prey on people. Um, Got to be careful. Um, even ways that just trying to avoid work, um, finding all kinds of different, I, I marvel at the ingenuity sometimes. Um, I just heard on the radio today, somebody, you know, just uh, guy's lawnmower was, was still running. He had just stepped away to get some water or something and he came back out and the lawnmower was gone. Like, um, how about you put that cleverness into to work, right? What should we do instead here? We ought to be uh, honest, productive, work hard, use the gifts that God has given us, um, get to work, right? Be smart. Um, Jane's got something else there, investing in something not prudent. Yeah, risky stocks, that kind of thing. It maybe is that what you're talking about? Um, there are so many get-rich-quick schemes out there. Um, and verse 11, um, they God says they have they have no sense. Just work your land, you'll be fine. Take care. Do do what you need to do, you'll be fine. Phil says uh, shortcuts to get ahead. Yeah, 
Yeah, so often if we would actually just focus on the task at hand and, and doing the job that we are called to do, um, we'll be so much more blessed that way. And and let's just be honest too, right? In a lot of this chasing stuff, all these examples we're talking about here, is there trust in the Lord behind that? You know, if we're looking to get rich quick, is that really motivated by faith and trust? Um or not, right? And, and I, th I think often the answer is not there. Um, so that's a good question to ask ourselves. Whatever scheme, whatever it is we're, we're chasing, um, is this blessed? Is this is this God pleasing, right? Is this showing our trust in God? All right, good stuff. As always, you guys are on top of it here. Uh, so just skip ahead a little bit more. And again, if you have anything else here from chapter 12, Feel free to speak up. Last question, though, verse 22. Um, what word here expresses how God feels about a person who lies? And then do you and I think about lying as serious as that? So there's a word there that ought to strike us because it's a word that God doesn't use a lot. I mean, it shows up at times, but another word that he doesn't he doesn't often use, and I I can't tell you how many times because I, I I neglected to look that up. But Melissa says the word is detests. Yeah, the Lord detests lying lips. Um, you and I detest things like murder, right? We detest things like rape, those kinds of things. The Lord detests lying lips. Um, have you always thought about lying as being that serious? If not, why not? Um, so if you look at verse 22, that would seem to say there is not such a thing as a harmless lie, right? That would seem to say there aren't such a thing as little white lies. Uh, it would seem to say that anything not the truth uh, is detested by the Lord. So how, how do you reconcile that with how you have viewed lying over the years? And what's your takeaway from reading that verse? Joel says, many years ago, he heard a longtime congregation member say that the Bible did not say anything about lying being all that bad. Well, here you go. Uh, here's a verse to go to, right? And I think... Um, if you look at James, he's got some strong things to say about what comes out of our mouth too. Um, yeah, I think, and I think Joel, that, that actually matches what I think a lot of people think. It's really not that bad. Um, absolutely, Judy, God detesting something, that's a big deal. Um, Jesus in the New Testament would say, let your yes be yes, right? Just be honest. Uh, don't, honesty is the only policy. Your mother was wise, Marlene, because um, sometimes we do that, right? We're trying to think of, well, what would it cost us to tell the truth? And how do we tweak that to make to make it not so bad on ourselves? And it, it ought to bother you, Jane, right? It ought to bother all of us. Um, but you know what? It's We lie to ourselves all the time, too, don't we? Um and then, we, of course, we try to lie to God at times, too. Yeah, Phil, this is uh, this is definitely in the commandments, right? Um, verse, that, wouldn't that be eight, though? Uh, false testimony against your neighbor. Um, it is definitely in the top ten. Definitely in the top ten. Melissa says, sometimes you just repeat lies that other people have said, like gossip, uh, just compounding things. Well, yeah, and, and how much stuff do we hear on the internet and pass around as if it's true, right, without ever checking it out? Um, I, so much of that today, truth is kind of relative, right? It's kind of wishy-washy at this point. Um, so be careful what we're passing around. Good good thought there, Melissa. Um 
Uh, that's interesting, Judy. I don't know if I've heard that said, but I like that. If you tell the truth, you don't really need a good memory. Um, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Phil's got that same thought there too. So, so just be honest, everybody. Tell the truth. Um, all right. Yeah, you, you are on the same wavelength there, the two of you. Um, Marlene says, I think I lie about my motivation for something sometimes. Yeah, I, we tell ourselves all kinds of things throughout the day. Um, and it's not all true, right? And, and I think sometimes the excuses, the, the rationalizations, the things we tell ourselves are, aren't any more honest than some of the things that maybe people have said to us. Yeah, Melissa, that's a toughie, right? If uh, so-and-so asks you how the the dinner was or so-and-so asks you how they look, um, that's tricky, right? We don't want to hurt the other person. And God says, love your neighbor. Um, so speaking the truth in love, Paul says in, in the New Testament, of course, when we're talking about the gospel there. Um, we all do, Linda. Um just a good reminder here from Solomon that it, it is a big deal, right? It's not something we should just brush off and not, not be too concerned about. All right, let's turn the page here. Proverbs 13. Let's turn the page. We've got three more to get through. Um, so Proverbs chapter 13, first question here. Watching carefully what you say is a major theme in Proverbs. Um, how does guarding one's lips serve to guard one's life? Verse 3. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives. Those who speak rashly will come to ruin. How does guarding one lips, one's lips serve to guard one's life? Any thought about that? Yeah, Joel, that you're right. Uh, Nathaniel, right under the fig tree. Um, yeah, what a what a quality, right? What a quality. Um, certainly, a good goal for all of us to have. Anybody? Uh, first question here: How does guarding one's lips serve to guard one's life? I'll just maybe throw out a couple. Oh, here we go. Um, they do snowball, don't they, Linda? The uh, the lies, they tend to build on each other. How many sitcoms have you seen, right, of people trying to keep up the lie? Um, they turn it into a comedy, comedy, like a funny situation. But it, it always snowballs. It always gets out of hand. It, it, it never works. Um Melissa says, think of how many people have been killed because of hasty words they said or not even killed, but just broken relationships or hurt people. Marge says, could hurt somebody, anger somebody. Yeah. Um, revealing secrets. Um, don't you know, betraying confidence that somebody told you. Speaking foolishly about the Lord. Like how many times have we just kind of maybe even in an attempted at humor have blurted things out. Um if we can just guard that, right? We keep ourselves and others out of pain and anguish and trouble. Um, so kindness, Joanne here is saying, is, is the way to go. Yeah, Phil, and you, you can't take it back, right? Whatever you say, it's done. It's like there's no delete button, right? There's no delete button on it. So um, be so careful. Judy said, when you have kind words, good things are returned. Yeah, um, kind of like the generosity thing we were talking about there before. Yeah, and I think um, that whole thing with the sticks and stones, um, I think that's a brave thing that people are taught to say so that they don't let themselves get hurt by what somebody said to them. 
but I think we all know that it, the words do hurt. The words do hurt for sure. All right, let's go to the next one here. I uh, got a couple to get through here. Verse seven says, some people pretend to be rich. Some pretend to be poor. Um, why would someone do that? Um, uh, just real quickly here, we're going to go through this one. Um, maybe to satisfy their pride, to show off, to get attention. Um, on the flip side, pretending to be poor, maybe to get an advantage in a business deal, something like that. Um, but interestingly, in verse 8, Solomon says there is an advantage to being poor. Let's let's jump to question 3 here. What is the advantage of being poor in verse 8? Jane, you're right. That would be another way to try to get sympathy, sympathy from people by pretending to be poor. Um, verse 8 there, question 3, what's the advantage of being poor? And I don't know if you guys had thought about this or not, but, and it's hard for an American compared to the rest of the world to make the claim that they're poor, but that in comparison perhaps to the people in our lives, maybe at times we've felt that way or, or some of people in our, people we know have felt that way. Uh, Judy says, nobody will try to take advantage of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a person's riches may ransom their life, but the poor cannot respond to threatening rebukes. No, nobody's going to come after us, right? Um, Melissa says, nobody's going to try to take what you don't have. Phil says, not many want anything of us. Yeah, so there's a blessing there in that. Um, there's an Old Testament verse, and the chapter is escaping me, but um, Lord, don't let me have too much or too little, right? And, and I think... Um, there's all kinds of grief and trouble that can come with more money uh, that people don't think about before they have more money. All right, he continues to talk about honesty and dishonesty, and then he goes down to verse 20. Good evening, Levon. Thanks for joining us. Um, thanks for joining us. And you're right, you, and you find out, right, who those people are, who those true friends are. Uh, so verse 20 here, what does verse 20 tell us about choosing our friends? What kind of people ought we to be looking for? Levon talks about true friends. Um, there are not a lot of those, right? Um, you think back on your life, I'm guessing it, you could probably count on one hand who fit the definition of true friend. Had lots of friends and acquaintances, but true friends, that's a smaller number. Uh, question four here, what, what does verse 20 tell us about choosing friends? Anybody? So for the kids that just went off to high school for the first time or college for the first time, what would verse 20 say to them? Judy says, choose friends carefully because you may become like them. Choose wisely, Jane says. Um, be smart about who you hang out with, right? Um, if your companions are fools, according to verse 20, you're going to suffer harm. You're going to pay for that. Um, so seek out godly, uh, wise individuals. And Melissa says you can grow together in wisdom. Unfortunately, the opposite is true also. Um, I think this applies, by the way, to, to spouses. I think this applies to, to friends. This, this applies to perhaps even uh, coworkers and clubs and groups that you try to, try to join. Um, Levon says, absolutely want a friend who shares a love for, for Jesus. Um, yeah, especially when life is hard, right, Levon? Especially when you need support and prayer and encouragement. You, you need that kind of a friend. Um, Nicole said, hi, Nicole. Good evening. Um, her true friends to this day share her faith. What a blessing that is. And to have that kind of a lifelong friend, um, it, to have a, a, a Christian friend is, is a different thing. I'm not saying you can't have awesome friends who aren't, but it goes up a level, right? When they, when they share your faith. 
and Marjorie reminds us it goes the other way too. Um, we, in a sense, become the company we keep, in a sense. And the Bible talks about that too. I, that's a good one, Phil, right? Our vocabulary often mirrors those who we hear every day. Um, that can be a challenge perhaps for uh, people on the job site or at work, depending on what they're hearing um, or in the locker room and things like that. Um, so that absolutely can be, can be an issue. All right, uh, let's move ahead. We've got two chapters here yet. Um, chapter 14. All right, so the first part of the chapter here talks about the wicked man. He's hatching what seems to be a solid plan, a plan, but it leads to his own ruin. Ruin. Um, apply this to whenever human wisdom is used to determine spiritual truth. Where will it end? So in other words, instead of letting the Bible interpret the Bible, instead of letting the Bible set uh, the truths that we teach and believe, um, what happens when human wisdom is used to determine that truth? Where does that end? And how does that apply to what is taught in your church? We could spend a lot of time on this, um, but I don't know that we'll be able to tonight. So just what are some thoughts you have here? Where does this end? Um, and how does this apply to what is taught in your church? Any thoughts? I know that's, that's probably a, a lot to that question here. So Judy, good start there. Um, human wisdom says to earn your way to heaven, and it might twist other scriptures too. And that, of course, can only end in, in eternal death, right? Salvation by works, works righteousness is not going to get us to heaven. Um, and human wisdom would take us down that road. Um, so certainly dangerous. On the flip side, though, um, so Phil's making an application there. Um allowing the spirit to guide the meeting last night and not um, merely relying on, on human wisdom and the way that we do things. Maybe there's a couple of quick comments here and then we'll probably have to move on. Um, wisdom, of course, comes from the word. It doesn't come from tradition or trends or human reason. Um, the word supersedes all of those things. Um, all of those things have to be subservient to the word. And so how does this apply to what's taught in your church? God's word is the key, the top authority, right? It's, it's what God's word says, not what Pastor V says, not what the well says, not what he or she says. It's, what does the Bible say? Um, and a lot of times it says things we don't like. We don't get to change that, right? We don't get to pick and choose that. All right, going to move a little quickly here. Uh, number two, what's one of the best gifts parents can give their children? Um, the example of faith. I can't give faith to my kids, but I can sure give them the example of. I can teach them about Jesus. I can model the faith for them. Um, so it's, it's doing all that we can to pass on faith, to instill faith to them. Certainly, it's God who does that through the word. Um, but increasing and encouraging them in their faith is, is the best thing we can do. Um, number three, what does envy do to a person? Let's, let's go there. Jump down to verse 30. Jump down to verse 30. What does envy do to a person? Interesting picture there too. What does envy do to a person? What does envy do? Verse 30, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Another striking picture. What, what does he mean there? Joel's got it there, rots the bones. Um, what does that mean? What is he describing here? Um, Melissa says, it eats you away from...
from the inside, right? That, that's the idea. Um, just that inner turmoil and pain and you're not at peace. Uh, Linda says it's pointless because it changes nothing. Um, just like worry we heard about last or two weeks ago. Uh, Judy says envy causes fights and quarrels. It can eat at your physical health. It, it can make you so unhappy and, and physically it can it can mess with you too. Um, Marlene says it encourages hate. Jane says takes away your joy and your contentment. You, you can't live a godly life. Yeah, it, it robs you of the ability to do that. Um, good comments from everybody here all on the same page. Quarrels and fights again. Um, and Joel says it focuses on what we don't have and not all that we do have. We, we don't, we fail to appreciate the blessings that God gives. Um, and we forget to be aware of all the wonderful things we do have. Um, so it really, uh, and I don't know if anybody said this too, it can spoil relationships um, and feelings and, and life in general just gets miserable. So, so instead of envy, how about we just be content with what we have and we have a heart at peace, uh, content in our Savior Jesus. All right, question four we talked about already. We talked about how we as God's people uh, can be a blessing to our communities and societies. So we're going to skip that one and jump to, to chapter 15. And we should be good then. We'll, we'll, we'll take all of these. Yeah, Phil, it's usually detached from reality, right? Envy, envy is more about fantasy and not about reality. Um, so let's let's take a look here, chapter fifteen. Um, first question: Suppose you are in your car, and another driver cuts you off. If you spend any of your day on Silver Spring Drive, that's going to happen to you at least once. Um, uh, what do you naturally feel like doing? And what does verse one have to say about this? What what is what is maybe the natural reaction that um, we want to reach for? <laughs> Joanne says, "I often think you must be more important than me because you do not obey the law." Um, yeah, they're right. Like it doesn't apply to them, right? Uh, who are they, right? Um, so uh, that I think that's pretty gracious, though. Um, so Melissa says, I want to honk a really long time. Just lay on that horn, right? Jane says, honking and yelling, um, yelling at them. Um, Joel says, well, so road rage would be a ten tendency, right? But a gentle answer here would, would avert that. Um, I don't know if you guys, uh, never mind, but there's a sitcom, there was a show a while back and, uh, the dad on the show got in trouble for gesturing, um, while he was driving, right? So yelling, honking, gesturing, uh, swearing, all those things, um, would be things that we would want to do and that would escalate the situation. Um, but a gentle answer, as Joel says, averts road rage. Maybe averts death. Um, Judy says, I want to honk and yell, but then she doesn't want... Yeah, the retaliation, right? The, the harsh word stirs up anger. You know it's coming right back at you. And so God says, let's not do that. Let's not escalate it. Nicole says, we often say they're in more of a hurry than we are. Yeah, they must have somewhere important to be, right? Let them go. Let them go. Yeah, margin, it, it could escalate and get out of hand quickly, right? And so Proverbs, Solomon would just say, um, let it go, let it go. And Glenn says that too. Yeah, it's hard, but God, let it go. So a gentle answer here turns away wrath. And a lot of you gave examples there of, of gentle answers. Um, uh, number two. So looking at verse eight. Um, interesting, and I think this is kind of common here. Um, and that's a good thought too, Linda. They are out. Thank you. They are out of your life in seconds, unless there's an accident. You may never see them again, right? So don't give this one second of your life more, um, more than it it's worth, right? Let it let it go. Good thought. Uh, number two here. How does the Lord view people who are religious? 
offering the prayers and the sacrifices and the offerings, but to continue to live in unrepented sin. So what is verse 8 saying about that? Doing all the right things outwardly, looking very religious, but but what? Uh, how does the Lord view that? They're doing the right thing, but inwardly there, there's wickedness there. There's unrepentance there. And that's what I love about this class and all these posts that you guys have. Um, so often somebody on here will say something in a way that maybe the rest of us never thought about it before. And um, there's been a lot of that tonight and in, in, in almost every night. It's such a great thing to see here. Uh, so Melissa says it's like Cain. He gave his offering, but he wasn't pleasing to the Lord because his heart was full of resentment for his brother. It is kind of like Cain, isn't it? And Joel says there's that word detests again. Um, again, the outward doesn't mean anything, right? It's what's going on in the heart. Um, and the Lord wants the heart, um, not your outward actions. Now, if your outward actions are flowing from faith, they are God-pleasing. Um, don't take this to mean God doesn't want you in worship. That That's not what he's saying. He's saying if you're in worship and your heart is wicked and unrepentant, all your outward acts aren't going to do anything for you. Pam says the Lord knows the heart. He wants the heart. Um, and Jane, that's a good summary there too. All right, uh, two more here. What are verses 16 and 17 teach us about acquiring, striving to acquire wealth? And this relates a little bit here to our, uh, was it last chapter or two chapters ago, that discussion we had. Um, what is, what do verses 16 and 17 say about striving to acquire wealth? 16 says, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Melissa says, like the prayer of the Pharisee, it looks so good to everyone on the outside. But it's about making him look good, not actually praying. Yep, yeah, no, you're right. Um, and that's a good reference too, right? The, the Pharisee and the tax collector, that parable. Um, to the wealth question, anybody have a thought, 16 and 17? First of all, there's nothing wrong with having money. It's not a sin to have money. However, um, what is he saying in these verses? Judy said, I once heard someone say, if they didn't keep telling me, I would never know they were church people. That's interesting. Um, so that's in a connection with the um, question two again. Right? All the outward. That's interesting. Um, and I'm guessing that did not. I'm guessing that was a turnoff. Um, so to the question here, number three, Melissa says the special things are meaningless if they come with hatred. Um and finally, I, I think, too, verse 16, um, the fear of the Lord is, is better than wealth. Uh, Christian love, verse 17, is more important than having a lot. If you're sitting around the table with your family and there is Christian love there and you're eating ramen noodles, like, what else do you need, right, is, is what he's saying, Um Having everything isn't all it's cracked up to be, right? If you don't have the fear of the Lord and Christian love, all the money in the world ain't going to really do much for you, right, is what he's saying there. Um, all right, question four. We hit on this a little bit earlier, too. Uh, so many verses here talk about the way that we react to correction. Um, anybody want to summarize that? Anybody want to summarize that for us tonight? We can end on that one. Um, I, this is similar to an earlier question tonight, so we don't have to spend a lot of time here, but anybody want to summarize that for us? And while you are summarizing that, 
if there are any verses or questions or observations we didn't cover tonight that you want to mention, now would be the time. So please, please fire away. Let us know what's on your mind. So Joanne says, wise words, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's really the theme of the book. And he keeps coming back to that. And if we can remember that, practice that, we're going to be okay. Dave says, "Why?" hey, Dave, good evening. Dave says, wise people are open to criticism. Yeah, right, open to correction. And, and that hurts, um, that can sting. Um, but as we talked about earlier, that helps us grow and mature and, and, and learn. Um, so that, so wise people are gonna, gonna do that. No problem, Linda. I'm guessing you can spell. It's just the, the technology that's making that hard, right? Um, uh, Judy says in verse 11, death and destruction are capitalized. I did not notice that. Let me. That's a really good question. Hmm. Give me one quick second here. Yeah, Phil, verse 13 um, is a special verse for me. Um, but for for some for several reasons but I, I love that one um faith in the heart it's going to come out right and, and people are going to see that and there's if we are happy friendly joyful people that makes outreach and evangel evangelism so much more natural um and doesn't mean life has to be good that right happy heart can be independent of whether life is going well or not. Um, all right. Uh, so Judy asked about verse 11. I'm just going to take a peek at that real quick. Uh, and please feel free to keep posting. Joel says, when we witness or correct in God's name, some might mock us. They are wired to avoid us and reject our message. <clears throat> ah, Sorry. Yeah, we need to be ready for that, right? Some are gonna, some are going to, to reject. Um, you know what, Junie? I think I'm gonna have to suffice it to say tonight um, that I'm gonna have to get back to you on that. I, I think Melissa's Bible there. So those are just proper names for, for um, the grave and for hell. Um, so maybe that's all it is. Those are just proper names for, for those two locations. Um, so the English in capitalizing that the editors are just letting you know that the Hebrew words there are Sheol, Sheol and Abaddon, um, which are proper names for those, for, uh, the grave and, and for hell. I'll double check on that, but I, I, th I think that's that's your answer there. Uh, and Joanne's got that too in the People's Bible. Thank you, Melissa. Um, all right, anybody else? Kept it two minutes long tonight. Anybody else? Oh, uh, so hopefully if you are watching your e weekly email, um, the schedule for Tuesday night class was in there. So last week's worship email, if you go back to last Thursday, in the worship email, there was an attachment to the Bible study schedule. And I gave you um, I gave you the schedule for August, September into October. Um, both of my kids are in fall sports and a lot they do have a lot of Tuesday matches and races. so I'd, I'd like to get to those. Um, so Phil's got kind of a summary there. So we're off next week, but then we'll have class in two weeks on September 6th with Proverbs 16 to 20. So you have two weeks to read those chapters and we'll, we'll reconvene that night. Um, and then um, a little bit later on, we'll, we'll talk about 920 starting a little bit later. So two weeks from tonight, Proverbs 16 to 20, 
and that night we'll talk about then the the twentieth. And uh, sorry, we're missing a few. I, I know you understand, and I appreciate that. Um, and uh, once volleyball and cross country are over, we'll be um, much more regular through October and November. Dave, thank you for the reminder. Bring a friend and to the church picnic. Signed up September 11th. Um, thank you. Those sheets are up at church. Um, it's it's filling up, but yeah, please bring a friend. Um, this Sunday, Joel, yes, uh, we're going to uh, give a presentation on the trip to Greece, the Footsteps of Paul tour. That's going to be in the gathering space on Sunday, though, not in the church. So um, just be aware of that. We'll try to get out of church I'll try to get out quickly enough to get over here to get set up. So, um, yeah, I hope to see you for that, too. It, it's fun. It was fun to be there. I, I, I'm happy to share what we learned. And thanks, everybody, for understanding. And uh, I do appreciate that. Go Chargers. Yeah, thanks, Dave. All right, everybody. God bless. So uh, so glad you're that we're still doing this. Uh, I really enjoy it. So um, we'll see you soon, if not this weekend. Um, Two weeks tonight, we'll continue the, the Bible study, okay? God bless everybody. Have a great night. And I will, Nicole. Thank you. All right, God bless, guys. I'm going to log off now. Have a great rest of your night.